0: Today, I'm talking to Claire, and I am talking about my favorite subject dogs. Claire is a friend of a guest who's been on previously, Bridget, and Claire is a dog trainer and a dog behavior expert. As you can imagine, I enjoyed this podcast, I really liked it. If you're interested in finding out more about Claire, please check out the links in the description. And above all, if you're enjoying these, please like, comment, subscribe. Genuinely is appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. I love talking to Claire and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Thank you. Hello, welcome to the David Watson podcast. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you, David? I-
0: I'm very well, I'm very well. And just for everyone's uh, knowledge we've actually had about half an hour putting the world to rights, so, <laughs> and then we suddenly have. realized we needed to start the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, still, we made a lot of progress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one's going to listen to us, but we would no. feel
1: better. We do, we do, certainly do. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so, firstly, thank you, Bridget, for connecting the two of us. And you, I guess, the thing is to start with is your Claire Muddy Mutley. And what is that?
1: So Muddy Muddy's is a uh, business in North London that I set up uh, quite a few years ago now, um, originally as a dog walking service because my grandmother and my father were quite elderly. They had animals And um, I wanted them to be able to hang on to those animals and have them in their lives, even though they perhaps couldn't walk them as regularly as they needed to. So it was really to make sure that everybody had the ability to look after their animals to the standard we should be, um, whether or not they were ill or able to or, you know, didn't have time. Um, And then I just got more and more involved in behaviour and dog training. And now I run a, a... a, a group training one-to-one training behavior practitioner business in north london and i absolutely love it
0: so i guess you have dogs
1: <laughs> i have got to you probably hear them in the background rolling all over the carpet because they're wet but yes <laughs> i have two. Uh, but we look after about uh, we're licensed five star licensed uh, for uh, up to 12 every day uh, so we look after about 12 every day plus we walk plus we're training dogs every day of the week so yeah we see a lot of dogs
0: Okay, so that, I've got about five questions in that. So first <laughs> off, what are your dogs? What are they called and what are they?
1: So I've got a fantastic Cockerpoo because I'm in North London. So he's half working Cocker, half miniature Poodle. Uh, his name's Mutley, um, as you could probably imagine. Uh, he's the one that's kissing me. You, you, no one can see it, but he's kissing me in the background. Um, and then I've got a little Cavapoo um, who I rehomed. Um, a what? She's called- a Cavapoo, so she's a Cavalier King Charles, uh, crossed with a Poodle, miniature Poodle. Uh, feisty little madam, she is, but, um, but she's, she's wonderful, full of personality. So they're my two, but I work with millions of different types of breeds and, and dogs, yeah.
0: Just actually as a little side thing, because on one hand these, I just, I just want to check that I'm correct in this. Because on one hand there is this kind of, these breeds are fashionable. But am I correct in thinking that these crossbreeds were for practical reasons originally?
1: Uh, there's a certain amount of practicality in sort that. Of ori- the- originally, originally, I mean, they're quite uh, the, the poo crosses are quite recent. Um, But the whole sort of idea behind them was that poodles don't tend to shed hair. So it was more for people that were allergic to dogs. Um, But unfortunately, it's not quite the case. Some of them do shed hair. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not like... And and what we've done with Cockapoos in particular, we've put two really quiet... uh, interesting uh, animals together. So you've got working cockers that can be so so like need so much attention and and brain work and simulation. And, and poodles are intelligent as well. So yeah. um, we have to be a little bit careful about what lines we put together. But I I have got no complaints. I love mine. Those yeah, because I
0: I remember something a long long time ago before um I'd ever seen um, crossbreeding that um one I don't think people realise that large poodles are actually a French gun dog. Traditionally, yeah, uh, yep. a very very good uh, gun dog, um, and also yeah, they were also a really good choice of dog for people that are allergic to dogs. The the yep. traditional poodle because it it didn't shed um, its hair. Yep,
1: something. absolutely. So white poodles are French, brown poodles are from Germany, and black poodles are from Russia.
0: I did not know that. There you go. That's brilliant. I don't
1: even know how I know that, but
0: that <laughs> that, that 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 is perfect because. I, yeah. you know, obviously, as I was chatting away there, I thought I knew about poodles. Turns out, hey. I don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I might be wrong. I might have just made that out. but I don't think so. <laughs> so yeah, but no, they they and they were cut so that they could move easily through the water. Ah. So that's how they were groomed, but they're very intelligent. Oh yeah, talented.
0: I knew they were very, very intelligent and very athletic. Yeah. Very yes. athletic as well. Yeah. So, you mentioned during the introduction, that you're a five-star licence. We are. What, What does that mean?
1: So it means that we've been vetted by the local council. We've had to apply by certain guidelines that are set out by DEFRA. Um, It means we have to have uh, a certain level of um, education. Uh, We're all canine first aiders as well as human first aiders. Uh, We have got uh, multiple kind of policies and procedures in place. Uh, And, yeah, we have to have a certain amount of space for the amount of dogs that we're licensed to have. So my home has been... (laughs) been ha- handed over to the dogs and uh yeah that's how we roll <laughs> so so it's
0: not the, the dogs don't live with you you now live with the dogs
1: but, uh, yeah pretty much it's yeah. it's their home yes absolutely yeah and they are our alarm clock oh we don't yeah need an alarm clock yeah yeah
0: and, and am i right in saying you're licensed did you say licensed for 12
1: yeah up to 12 yes
0: up to 12
1: yes. it's a lot of dogs
0: yeah no yeah. That, that is
1: yeah yeah, yeah yeah and it all depends on what personalities you have you can have three and 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 it's really hard work or you can have 12 and not know you've got them <laughs> yeah so you've you've it's a it's a management um you know you've got to be watching their body language yeah. how they're interacting they've all got different personalities so it really helps to be a trainer and a behavior practitioner uh on top of that <laughs> it's well, a really
0: that really can useful. probably help me we can have a conversation about probably one of my biggest pet hates so I have a Staffordshire Bull Terrier called Molly. Oh,
1: um,
0: she's about ten now, and I got her when she was eight. Because sadly, uh, during the lockdown, or just before the very first lockdown, her owner died, and Aww. so I I took her on. and And she's absolutely fantastic. She completely changed my life. You know, um, she yeah, in in so many ways. I I don't even begin uh, to be able to tell. How great it ha- it is to have had uh, to have her, but one of the things that really frustrated me, especially in the early days, is she was known to be a reactive dog.
1: Okay, all right?
0: So I, I learned, like like you do. I, I it took me a while, and it was actually someone else that pointed out what she was reacting to.
1: Okay,
0: but obviously, like lots of people, um, I started st- watching TikTok, watching YouTube, watching Instagram. Like, what are all the dog trainers saying? And one of the things I discovered very quickly that an easy way to calm down her reactions was to step in front of her so that I bridged between her and the dog. Yep. Right? And I learned from somebody, uh, from several dog trainers just watching them, is that actually what you need to tell the dog is that you can control the situation. And
1: mm-hmm. you don't
0: do it by talking to the dog, you do it by showing the dog. Mm-hmm. I.e., you stay where you are and I will step in front of you.
1: hmm And
0: that dog has to come around me to get to you.
1: Uh-huh.
0: But what really pissed me off is the amount of people who say, but my dog's friendly. Yeah, but mine's not.
1: Yeah, quite. Oh, no. yeah. You know I know. Yeah, mean? we and get that this, a
0: lot. Yeah, people let their dogs off. And it's this idea that dogs like each other. And
1: yeah. that's
0: not how it works at all.
1: No, it's, it certainly isn't any more than we like each other. I mean, one thing to say is that we're all reactive because if yes. we're not reacting, we're dead.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, But what um, uh. a friend, sorry, just to finish that thing, I yeah. didn't mean to cut you off, is uh. what I, uh, a, a guy that I could never understand why Molly and his dog never had a problem, other than they didn't bother with each other. And then because of that, uh, Molly, me more than Molly, we had occasionally bump into him when he was with other dogs, and that seemed to be fine. And then one day another dog came along and Molly kicked off. And I was just like, I don't understand what that's about. When I next seen him, he said, "That dog likes to dominate other dogs." He said, right. and he was the one that noticed. Molly was happy with dogs that ignored her, basically. But if a dog tried to dominate her, she would just instantly retaliate. No standoff. No, she was just like, "Let's do this then." She would go from leap like mind of my own business to, "I will fight you right now." And all that dog was trying to do is assert a dominance with body behavior. And as soon as they displayed that to Molly, she just went for them. Mm-hmm. And yet when a dog just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. She, if, she, if she was ignored, she was fine. Now, yeah. I, I, I don't know her history, so I don't know what caused that or why but it could
1: could just be personality
0: yeah i do do think that that's that's kind of where i ended up thinking you just don't like it do you
1: yeah a lot a lot of staff is staffies will prefer human company to other dogs
0: oh she's like Um, Velcro.
1: yeah but i but if if you think about how dogs communicate dogs will sniff the ground they'll turn their head away they'll blink um they'll they'll give multiple indications to other dogs that i'm not interested i don't want to um i don't want to have a conversation with you and but there are dogs out there that are rude <laughs> and they don't they, they don't pick up on those signals and they're very bad at reading the body language and they'll just bomb you know barge in there and and it will upset dogs that are trying to communicate look I'm 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 an introvert I'm not I'm not feeling it today I'd rather not um converse so just like us you know there there are good communicators and there are not so good communicators although I would say that dogs are on the whole incredibly good communicators um, but it be- depends on how much opportunity they've had to be a dog socialize in a good way with other dogs when they're younger as well so some dogs just don't get it they'll barge in and yeah. not pick up on the cues and and then it can go a bit wrong but dominance is an interesting thing because that can that can change that can be a really fluid trait it's not so much a, yeah. a, a personality type but it can it's a fluid thing any dog could be dominant um over a certain resource um or in a certain situation so yeah it's a it's an interesting subject
0: <laughs> yeah like I, like i said it was just uh, the, the the chap that i was walking M- molly with who he he had a uh can't remember if it was a cocker or a springer who who just one was also too fast for molly you know, she's a she's a little she, she's just a little bit of muscly staffy. You know, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. A, and they're good at all things except running or yeah. jumping. <laughs> they don't run, whereas, they don't jump.
1: Whereas spaniels are are so energetic, so yeah. enthusiastic, so wanting to help, um, and biddable, and keyed into to what's going on in the environment. Yeah. They're they're such a. I just that's this is why I love dogs. They're just all so different. It's uh, it's fascinating. <laughs>
0: One of the things I joke with Bridget a lot about is when I've had conversations now, with, there's two types of things that Molly eats. Things she can eat and things she shouldn't. But she eats yeah. them all. <laughs> it's like, Excellent. Yeah, it's just like... And it turns out Bridget was saying that's just a real... Because Molly is my first staffie. But I've had like Labradors, Alsatian, Dobermans, Rottweilers. And I thought Labradors could eat. But no, no. Molly, my. like every dog... Oh, we've had a collie as well. Um, every dog I've ever had... <clears throat> Labrador's especially are obsessed with eating. But normally, if they have a doubt, they don't pick it up. Or they'll try it and think, no, I shouldn't eat that. With Molly's like, if there's any doubt, I'll eat it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> just, and it's just yeah. like, how? H- how do you keep doing that? It's like, how many times do you have to nearly choke before you <laughs> think, probably shouldn't be eating this? No.
1: <laughs> but if you think about how we've bred um, both those breeds, to use their mouths. Yeah. You know, it's all yep. about, you know, using the, the Labradors, you know, they obviously we've taught them to use their mouths to hang on to things and carry things around. And then Staffies as well, you know, they were, they've been bred to hang on to things and bring things down, um, you know. So it is all it is all about what can yep. I get in my mouth and what can I do with it? And, and I can hang on to this. You know, I need to hang on to this. There's this inherent kind of breeding that says I've got it in my gob. It's got to stay there. Plan. yeah
0: but that that's you know that's actually a really good point because we often misunderstand what dog breeds are designed for, so like Big time. As, as you were saying that, I remember w- when I was growing up, we had a Labrador, and the reason he loved coming everywhere with with us because we always played around in the woods, it was his perfect environment. He was a gun dog to start with, and this is just oh, this is great, we're just going off hunting all day yeah. every day, yeah. You know, we but- thought we were building dens and playing war, but to the Labrador, this is hunting.
1: Yeah amazing well like spaniels i mean we the the reason why spaniels are so prone to resource guarding is we've bred them over hundreds of years to go and find something flush it out of the undergrowth put it in their mouth and then hang on to it and parade with it um and 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 then we get these little spaniels into our homes and we spend the whole time chasing after them getting our shoes back or our (laughs) slipper back or or whatever it is and they go like but this is what i've been bred to do look i'm showing you i found this thing and the more we try and remove the Things from their mouths the more they're driven to want to hang on to that thing um and um and obviously we, we then end up with a lot of, a lot of problems oh and that's the doorbell going <laughs>
0: yeah no it, it's so true it is um because yeah i think that's especially as time has gone on i think one of the things we've lost is our understanding of the purpose of dogs because yeah. We think they're kind of, but like, I suppose it's different because, like I've said, you I'm 47. I grew up in the 70s. My granddad was a dog trainer for the MOD. Part of his role oh, wow. was MO training uh, dogs for the MOD. So th- they obviously used Alsatians, and they trained them to be aggressive. And typically, they trained them, if I remember correctly, to be aggressive to anybody that wasn't holding the lead. Right. It was kind of one of the things they, you know, it's like. We're not really bothered who they bite, as long as they don't bite the person who's holding the leash. <laughs>
1: yeah. But good idea. Th- the
0: context is it was the seventies, yeah,
1: and they would be trained
0: for the army. They were being trained for Northern Ireland. They were being trained for the prisons. It, they weren't being. They're not the same as police. They're not staff. pets. No, yeah. they definitely weren't pets. Yeah. They definitely weren't pets. They they were designed for specifically to, like he said, if when they were taking those dogs into a specific environment, they wanted everybody to know that dog's going to bite you. Yeah. Because they said they're not police dogs. Although he was the MOD police, it was military. He said, yeah. we, they only take dogs into environments where they're going for people. They're not there. Like, the, like you see civilian police where their dogs are expected to actually sit still mm. and be around crowds. He, he was saying that like in the seventies, um, that's not what we bred those dogs. It's not what we trained them to do. Those dogs were trained very specifically to be attack dogs in a sense. You know. But also with a s seventies philosophy which wasn't PC or woke by any standard of today, and health and no. safety didn't come into it.
1: Yeah. No, God God bless Barbara. But yes. yeah, absolutely
0: yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. For those that don't know what that's Barbara Whitehouse.
1: Woodhouse.
0: Woodhouse. Sit. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Barbara Woodhouse, yeah. And oh, who-
1: just I've just got to share this that Yeah, Barbara Woodhouse was very um well auth- authority mm. and and quite heavy handed and would would yank dogs' necks, which we should not be doing. No uh, certainly shouldn't be doing in this day and age. But um but there's a brilliant sketch by Carolina Hearn where um, he, she's got a, a, a lesson going on and you're, you see all the people walking around and she's saying, speak nicely to your dogs. You must speak nicely to your dogs. You won't get anywhere if you don't. And then the camera pans in and she goes, right, some of you have done amazingly. And next week I might even let you bring your dogs. <laughs> <That is just laughs> brilliant. I love it. It's one of my
0: favorites <laughs> that, that That is so, that's so true because it is the... Like, and also, I grew, I grew up around uh, Labrador Retrievers because my dad was into shooting and stuff. Do you know what I mean? In, into like, um, so they were all, like retrie- proper Labrador Retriever gun dogs and stuff. You know, you know. I, I live in the middle of the countryside. Everybody, do you know what I mean? All the farmers, they all had either working collies or some form of uh, spaniel retriever or Labrador Retriever.
1: Yeah. All walked on the left because you carried the gun on the right.
0: Yeah, exactly that. All of these. And they could sit there through all sorts of things and then everything going off and then hear a little rustle and be gone. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Yeah. So those dogs were very, very specific and it was a very kind of specific period of time. And one of the things like, especially as I'm talking to you and, and conversations I've had with Bridget, I'm aware of how the ownership of dogs has changed. It's so much different from when I was younger. And, yeah. But people don't understand, those dogs haven't changed.
1: Yeah, uh, well, absolutely, this is it. Apart from they've got less and less of a, a, a role and less of a job. yeah um, and, and interesting, I've, I've got a very good friend who uh, is really into sort of confirmation of dogs and gait and and breeze. Her mum used to, uh, was a show judge. And, um, you know, I was talking to her the other day, And, you know, so many of these dogs, the pure breeds, have got so many problems that we've bred into them because we bred them to do a certain job. They're not doing those jobs anymore. Should we not be now breeding them and mixing them and not being quite so purist so that these dogs have healthier, happier lives? So if you look at a Dachshund, the Dachshund's been bred for uh, certain traits that allow them to go down into a badger hole and then be able to reverse back out. Um, But that has caused problems to their joints and their conformation and, and actually their personalities. They're the most, they're the most aggressive dogs going. Um, Why are we still pure breeding these dogs when the jobs don't exist?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Cause this is something that I don't think people generally understand. There's, there's going to be exceptions to the rules, but most dogs were bred for a job. Exactly. They that... were all
1: really bred for a job, even if it was just sitting on your lap looking cute, looking like a baby. <laughs> yeah. It's true, like a pug. Pugs yeah. were bred to look like a baby.
0: Mm. This is it. And it's, people don't kind of appreciate. I, you know, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it's true. And now they can't breathe. (laughs) So what are we doing? You know, their skulls are too short and their brains get all uh, trapped at the back and they've got all the the, the roof of their mouth is all collected in their throat. So that noise they make is actually because they're struggling to breathe. Why? Why are we doing this now? We we know know better. We know better now. It's it's,
0: it's true. We do because it's like I get really pissed off when... I thought you know like when people say like because I have somebody who uh, owns a pug and I didn't know that about pugs I knew they kind of had breathing problems but I thought it was the odd pug and they bought they had this pug and it's a lovely dog they're a lovely couple and they're, they're like oh yeah no there's an operation you can have to correct that it's like what it's so yeah. mainstream that there's yeah. just a standard operation yeah well, that means we're doing something wrong
1: absolutely we are absolutely we are and French bulldogs, they're, they're you know they're being bred as a a really great little family pet, um, but they are really struggling because you know very often children will play with them like that they're, they're a little toy. There's lots of spinal issues with them, um, you know. And and again, we, you know, we 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 just shouldn't be putting the animals through what we put them through. No,
0: <laughs> no, no <laughs> It's
1: just a minefield, really. Of it stuff. is. It is yeah.
0: because you know we had concerns about this back in Barbara's day, you know, yeah. and nobody listened then.
1: No, but then did Barbara realise that every time we were yanking on the dog's neck and putting a choke chain on, that we were putting pressure on the trachea and the esophagus and the vagus nerve and the thyroid gland and the lymph nodes? and
0: No, but she – the only thing I'll say kind of in her defence is one of the things – with all of these things is she was trying to get things through to the owners as much as the dog. Yes. True. True. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like the shock collars that they use in the States and things like that. And people get horrified about them. It's just like, you're not supposed to be electrocuting the dog. It's supposed (laughs) to be a last resort for a problem dog or something like that. You're not supposed to repeatedly do it. That the dog gets nervous. No, you're supposed to have a plan in place where you learn how to handle your dog. Yeah. And this is supposed to be an aid that you use to snap the dog out of its behavior. Or well, it should sub-
1: actually be to protect the dog's life or human life if, if you need to, to take yes, that extreme step.
0: Exactly. And yeah. it, but it, it's supposed to just be a distraction tool, not something you keep repeating because the dog doesn't understand what you want it to do.
1: And do you know what? There are much better ways of
0: distracting a dog. Oh, of course, there is. Of course, there is. But it's it's understanding. Like people don't understand that first and foremost, you're the problem, not your dog. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, it's a lack of understanding, isn't it? It is not it yeah. And it's a lack of understanding as to what the function of the behaviour is for the dog. Because the dog doesn't, the, the, they always say behaviour, the rat is always right. The dog yeah. is always right. The dog is only doing what the dog is trying to do to change its internal or external environment. So the dog's never wrong. It's just we don't happen to agree with what the dog's doing or we haven't set the environment up so that the dog can do an appropriate behaviour to yeah. get what it needs out of life.
0: And and it's this way that we humanise our dogs. I mean, um, I, I, I'm guilty of that, you know. But I'm always aware of the, I try to be aware of the body language.
1: Yeah. There's a thin line though between giving the dog the human traits but and then not appreciating what a sentient being the dog is. Because they've definitely got a plethora, do you like that word, plethora oh, of, um, <laughs> of emotions um, that up until quite recently, we denied them. We, you yes, know, we, definitely,
0: we, definitely. You know,
1: that we, we said they couldn't possibly have those, those emotions. But, I mean, people like Greg Burns have gone a long way to kind of scientifically prove that dogs do have these emotions and their brain does function. I don't know if you've heard of Greg Burns, have you? No. Right, Greg Burns trained dogs to be able to get into an MRI scanner awake so that he could take functional MRIs of the brains of the dogs working while they did certain experiments with with people that they knew or people that they didn't know, producing treats, giving them little signals and stuff like that. So he could really work out whether or not the brain was functioning uh, in an emotional capacity in the same way as ours does. And so you could see the brain lighting up. So dogs do love us.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no way you'll, anyone ever convince me in a million years that Molly doesn't love me.
1: No. Is there you mean? go. It but he, he, he proved it scientifically. That I,
0: you know. I, I would 100% bet my livelihood that if Molly could speak, she would try to convince you that I am actually a god. Because oh. that dog bloody worships me. God knows oh. why, but she adores me. And I, I live with my mum and my brother. My sister comes down with her kids all the time. I'm the only thing that's important. No,
1: oh, that's yeah. so nice. I mean, she
0: don't get me wrong. She'll let anyone pet her. She'll run up to everyone. She is everyone's friend. But oh. my mum will tell you, when I go to work, she knows roughly what time I should be back, and she sits at the door waiting for me. Bless her. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it broke my heart when I found out because I was like, "Oh my god, the dog misses me." Oh. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and my mum says, yeah. if I end up doing a twenty-four hour shift, she'll sit there and then she's like, "Oh, he's not coming home, is he?" And she's like, slumps oh. down a bit and then goes to lie down. And they're so she, clever. She sleeps. She sleeps on my bed with me at night, and if I don't come home, she won't go upstairs with anyone. She sleeps. Oh. She sleeps on the sofa. Bless her. Yeah, I I feel for her. <laughs> you know but it, it's, oh. it's just like you say that that idea that dogs don't feel no,
1: no oh god they're so keyed into us they're so emotional you know they're, they're and, and yet sometimes we, we treat them so badly it's no we do know, it's, it's just so bad we we mm-hmm. noticed
0: this when when we first got molly we had her for about four weeks because her owner was originally in hospital and un, unbeknown to us the owner went back into hospital, but he was trying to get members of his family to look after her and she was getting passed around. And then, and it's, it's, it's really sad because it was good for me, but when the owner actually passed away, none of the family wanted her.
1: No. Yeah. So I was
0: just like, I I wanted her straight away because uh, yeah. her, her owner actually kind of bequeathed her to me in the end because he realised nobody yeah. wanted her. And I was just like, I'll take her. But we as a family noticed How her behavior changed after like in little stages, and now, like two years down the line, she's a completely different dog. Yeah, because she used to live on her own with him. Mm. Our house is an open house to everybody. Yeah, so she, yeah, (laughs) and my sister will send me pictures and she'll come in, and Molly's like that on her back belly up in the air <laughs> getting rubbed by three different people by the kids my sister and she's just How like cute. don't stop yeah
1: oh that's so uh, lovely you know,
0: but that evolved over time when she realized that everybody was going to fuss over her
1: yeah uh, learning history and environment all play a big part on behavior yeah yeah How lovely
0: and she awesome. will now run up to my sister, really excited to see her. And then like two minutes later, she's straight on her back and she just lies there. And she'll even just sometimes lie in the middle of the floor in the sofa, um, in the sitting room, when people are there, <laughs> and just lie on her back. And she's just looking around like, uh, you know the rules, people.
1: <laughs> I'm here, I'm ready.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love her. She sounds amazing. Yeah, she, I'm so blessed and <laughs> so lucky to have her. Um, oh. One of the things, when you were talking earlier... Which I, I've never heard before is you said about dogs blinking.
1: Yeah, soft eyes. No, I don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> it's another form of communication. I mean, if you well, dogs as as you probably know hate being stared at. Yes. Um, they hate anybody standing square on and like eyeballing them because it's it's threatening. So we can sometimes if you're working with a rescue or a A fearful dog what you what you would do is just make sure your eyes are really soft and 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 you would blink and you would turn your head away um and it's just a way of softening your eyes dogs will soften their eyes and and kind of soften their faces um to you know communicate to another dog look i'm not a threat i'm not a threat i'm you know i'm here i'm a friend so you know they've got very um expressive faces you know they will frown and they will laugh and they will soften their eyes and and soften their mouths and yeah it's so expressive but we can there's a lady called um turrid and i always say that wrong um who um wrote a book actually on how we can use calming signals to help um communicate with dogs and work with 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 especially with fearful and rescue dogs to help them feel more comfortable around us
0: yeah I don't know, I, I didn't, I mean, I, I knew about dogs not to, like, didn't like, uh, like, uh, prolonged eye contact, because it was a sign of aggression, and also, I knew that like, dogs always do that thing, that whenever they uh, are going to challenge, it's always square on, their head kind of normally comes up, and they yeah. try and look as tall as possible. Big,
1: big as possible, yeah. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. and often, but their chin will also come down slightly. You know? Yeah. Um
1: yeah.
0: so I kinda of, but I didn't know about the eyes.
1: There you go. See? All those yeah. muscles around their eyes. Yeah. 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 So
0: mm. you said you got into this because was it you you said your parents?
1: My dad. My dad, dad, dad was a lot older than my mum, yeah. So yeah. he was um quite elderly and my, my grandmother and they both had dogs. Um and um, yeah, we won. It was important that they were able to hang on to those. Especially my, I mean, my dad. Honestly, what we weren't brought up with in terms of animals, um, he would, he, you know, back in the seventies as well. You know, he he couldn't walk past the pet shop without coming home or something. Um, and my mum was a biology teacher, so she had things like hissing cockroaches and and African snails and all sorts. So, um, so it was important to me that he. Could I still miss be- the seventies. I really do. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Uh, yeah. So it was important that he was able to still have his collies, um, you know, and um, and his spaniel, or, and you know, my grandmother had a chihuahua. So it was important that they still had that company, but that at the same time those dogs got what they needed yeah um so although my mum's obviously a big part of that uh, but it did bring to mind I thought god there must be loads of people in this situation and you know and it's in and, and it's not fair a what's happening to the animals and and hmm. B, you know these people want to be able to have these animals as so, you know as therapy
0: what yeah. what were you doing that enabled you to switch careers
1: god knows (laughs) i don't know really (laughs) i mean i'd I'd always been in in um in marketing and i worked for the bbc and i worked in uh, in signage industry and um but i'd always kind of looked at behavior as well from a marketing point of view mainly 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 human behavior uh and then mum had always sort of been involved with dogs and dog training and things like that and i and i and again i was brought up with animals and it was just I was studying at the time to help teenagers and, and kids um, to, or from a counselling point of view. And I just sort of tripped over and landed up um, in this at this dog training course and said to my mum, this is what I'm going to do. This is why haven't I found this side of behaviour before? I've grown up with this stuff. My mum's a biology teacher. I've grown up with this stuff. And I did not look back and I haven't looked back. And I absolutely love what I do. And it's just a combination of... All, everything that I've ever done, it, it just makes so much sense now. But I, I was also gifted because when I set the company up, unfortunately, my grandmother died and then, and then my dad died shortly after that. Um, and my grandma had left me some money, which I invested into some courses, obviously, but also some agility equipment. And I had my logo set up and things like that. And she was a staunch Scot. Yeah, she was a black Douglas clan, all about the Scot. And um, and I picked all my colours, and it wasn't until about six months later that I looked at the logo colours, which is all it's all changed recently. Yeah. And it was blue and green. And I looked at it and I thought, bloody hell, even <laughs> from the back and beyond, she's controlling me because the <laughs> colours that I'd chosen were the black Douglas clan colours. Nice. Um, so she's always had an input, I believe, in what I'm doing <laughs> So, well
0: yeah. yeah but it makes sense. Yeah. It
1: so, makes sense. Yeah. It all fell together. It all it all came together and um and I haven't looked back. I haven't looked back. I've met the most amazing people through doing what I'm doing and, and I'm forever learning uh, from them from from some incredible scientists and behaviorists and I just it's just love I love it. I love it. I love the dogs, I love the people that I work with as well. I'm always learning something new. It's brilliant. <laughs>
0: what would you say are uh, big misunderstandings do do you is there a common like collection of misunderstandings that you see
1: yeah, absolutely. So one, um, and I'm doing a talk on this actually next week, Ken. One is the the pack theory still That's resonates. It. People still think that dogs are trying to uh, dominate. us, that that you know that there is this kind of. I mean, I always say, look, if dogs were trying to dominate us, they'd have done it a long time ago, and we'd be eating kibble. Um, you know, not then. So uh, I, you know, that, so there's the pack theory, dominance theory. And the theory that we need to be very strong and controlling of our dogs, we don't. We don't. We don't need to be strong. We need to have really strong uh, trust. Uh, We need to have really good consequences for those dogs. And we need to build a relationship. That's the only thing that needs to be strong is that relationship. Um, Because we've, you know, they've evolved to give us everything else. They, you know, they've evolved to work with us there is there is a theory that man and um and the and the the dogs we helped each other evolve
0: yeah i've I've seen that
1: Mm. yeah we came together and we helped each other evolve so these dogs are not trying to they know we're not dogs they're not trying to you know kind of dominate over the youngest child in the family um so that would be one thing but the other thing is very much kind of forceful pressure on the on the neck saying that you know harnesses make dogs pull dogs are going to pull anyway you know so th- I, yeah that would be probably the main two actually
0: because i think the if i remember correctly the one about the the change in theory about how dogs and humans came together was i think it was a combination of dogs realized that we could provide food and also in a sense, protection. Yeah. And yeah. what they reckon is that we started to favour dogs that were more friendly towards us.
1: We absolutely well we were breeding the men. We were selecting yeah. for certain traits.
0: Yeah. And in in exchange for that, we literally kind of became a symbiotic relationship where we started taking care of each other. Dogs would alert us of danger. And contrary to what if I'm if I've got this correct, contrary to what people think is we didn't actually always use dogs to protect us. It was also a mutual relationship. Dogs would alert us to danger. And we, by the way that we set up camps, would actually give dogs safe places to sleep. Yeah. And safe environments. And we would tackle things collectively.
1: Yeah. And we started settling and we started cooking food, um, which would break down starches and the broken down starch really led to an increase in brain development, both for us and for the dogs. Um, so there was a there was a big combination of things going on around about that time. But also, if you look at how um, Bailey with his silver foxes, yes. um, after I think it was about 10 generations, um, those those animals Basically, became a different species. Yeah. So, if you think one hundred and forty thousand years of selectively breeding dogs, there is no way a dog is anything mm. like a wolf. <laughs> just-
0: absolutely, absolutely. So, oh. for people that don't understand, Baileyoff was a Russian scientist who bred uh, silver foxes and divided them up into their reactions, and then bred dogs that had similar reactions with each other, and then ten, de- ten generations down the line. Yeah. Was it he bred like the most incredibly friendly, human-dependent yeah. sort of dogs, uh, foxes? Yeah, well,
1: they were foxes. But what actually, while he was breeding for temperament, mm. what happened? So what happened was that their coats changed, their yeah. their bark changed, their ears became more soft and floppy. They became much more like the the our yeah. domesticated dogs. Yeah,
0: yeah fascinating. But it well, was wasn't, wasn't it because. On. Well, so do I, because what, um, what he did was demonstrated in real time how dogs evolved.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And, 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 just, how,
1: and how much a species can change. But yeah. yet we still think our dogs are wolves. And, uh, well, some people do. But, Sometimes. again,
0: I, I do think that comes down to – now, This I could be very wrong, but I think the confusion lies in people don't understand the breed they have.
1: Possibly, yeah.
0: To do you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, dogs are like wolves. No, no. A bull terrier is still like, instinctively is still what it was bred for. Yeah. Being close to humans and grabbing hold of something and not letting go.
1: Yeah. But here's another bit of science for you. Science shows us that there can be as many differences between dogs of the same breed yeah. as there are between dogs of different breeds.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, but I, you know, like, but it's it's a bit like everything. You 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 can get somebody who technically is like in in humans, right? You can get some two people who would say both six foot, same build, same weight. One is an amazing athlete; the other's a walking disaster.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there's always that propensity there, isn't there?
0: They have, and they've shown this over the years. Now, there's been enough studies of Siamese twins because like as close as it's humanly possible to get to humans to be the same identical Siamese twins and sorry, identical twins, not Siamese twins and identical twins, same upbringing, same background, same experiences, completely different people.
1: Yeah. Everybody and everything's an individual.
0: Yeah. So they've proven that that it's not just your upbringing that matters.
1: No, you've got the genes um, that give you a propensity You've got your learning history. That's another nice word. I know. I'm good. I'm I'm full of them. So propensity. And then you've got your learning history and the environment you find yourself in. So we might breed Spaniels to have a propensity to hold on to things in their mouths, but depending on their learning history and their environment, that will either come out really strongly or it won't. Yeah. But that that
0: does make sense. It applies because that applies to you and I.
1: It certainly does. Yeah.
0: You know. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing, but it, it, you know, it, like it, yeah, you does. say, the, the, the chat that you were talking about with the MRI scan yes, proved that dogs have intelligence, not just emotion, it's intelligence as well. And that, yeah. that just because we like, oh, well, that dog's intelligent because it's a gun dog, it likes to do things, these things. Yeah, but if you're not taking it through the woods and through the bushes using that, that intelligence is going to adapt to something else.
1: But here's another way of looking at it how do you measure intelligence? Because if you've got a frog and an elephant, they're going to be intelligent in different ways. No, no, but
0: that's true. That is,
1: that, that's true. It so, mean, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so uh,
0: what, okay, so here's using that analogy. Okay, because this is, no, that's true, because that's that thing, isn't it? It's, it's no point asking a fish to climb a tree.
1: Exactly. Right? That's exactly what I was thinking
0: of. Yeah, so, yeah. but what dogs are incredibly good at doing that frogs and potentially elephants aren't, but there's probably a good argument that an elephant could, is adapt into their environment. With Absolutely. The, with the skills, their instincts, their skill sets. So the insects, sorry, the instincts and the skill sets they already have, that are part of a, a strong character trait that might be attributed to that breed is incredibly adaptive in a new environment.
1: And and towards other species as well. So yeah. some, some animals won't create relationships with other species as easily as a dog will for example or an elephant
0: but that (laughs) (laughs) well because that's true actually because one of the things about like with dogs and cats the i've had dogs and cats pretty much on and off all my life well dogs all my life and i've also had periods of time where i've had cats the the way that dogs recognize the cat but will instantly treat another cat like I must kill you with every ounce of strength I have in my life. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's like an obsession beyond all but things. But that,
1: but that depends. Cause I've got two cats and we have 12 dogs for daycare and the cats will sit in the middle of those dogs going, what are you yeah. going to do? Cause I'm not going to move. So you can't chase me. And the dog's are like, I don't know what to do. Don't know what oh, to do. No, oh. no, I've,
0: I've had a dog that if you didn't, she dealt with that problem. <laughs>
1: Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah,
0: Cats learned very quickly. Oh,
1: Oh dear. Oh, so-and-so's yeah. gone
0: missing. Yeah. Oh.
1: But did, did you know that cats have actually got an amazing sense of smell because dogs are more able to recognise each other from different – because they're all different shapes and sizes, whereas cats in the dark, they all look pretty – or as a yeah. shadow, all yeah. look pretty much the same. I,
0: I didn't know they had the – I knew that when with, um, cats pretty much see things – it like literally black and white in the dark, which one of the reasons they have such good eyesight in the dark yep. is because they're not trying to pick out colour. I might be yep. that might be a very clumsy description of actually what's going on with their retina, but <laughs> but I didn't know they had such a strong sense of smell. Yeah, because
1: how, how else are they going to tell whether that's Mabel or
0: yeah, makes Jemima? Sense. Yeah, that that does make sense because their whole hunting strategy is based around yeah that does interestingly i learned from bridget in the last podcast that dogs um breathe alternatively in each...
1: oh, yeah they can use different nostrils at different times yeah and the little the little things on the side of their noses which i can't remember the name for they they're breathing out and sucking in at the same time
0: damn i just i just that's two things i've learned about dog breathing yeah. and their nose you, in two weeks
1: did she tell you about the Jacobson organ as well uh no no. So that's where they can sort of like take the molecules up and they can literally taste the smell as well.
0: She didn't, She what we had a conversation about is cause she, this is something I've adapted since I've been speaking to Bridget is that I used to get like, I will go for a separate walk without Molly if I want to walk. Cause Molly <laughs> wants to stop and sniff everything. And I'd be like, come on, come on, get up the field and then i'd let her go and she would sometimes just have a nose in something and i'd be like for crying out loud it's 10 past five in the morning i'm trying to get around this field so you can have a shit and i can get to work all right that's why yeah. we're up here and so bridget was saying no she and she was explaining that because they 10
1: blew- minutes 10 minutes of smelling is an hour's walk
0: Yep, this is exactly. I, I was completely educated by Bridget on this in the last podcast, and that they smell things differently at different uh, parts of their nose. And <clears throat> she didn't mention about the molecules, but she mentioned about when it's the reason when it's um, is worse, worse. That sounds terrible. I don't. I promise I don't begrudge my dog her walk. No,
1: okay? I know. <laughs> right?
0: But she said that because when it's been raining is because the scents are stronger because it's it's in the the water molecules so they can smell it even more intensely
1: when it's warm those molecules are more free to uh, flood out they will they yeah. will yeah they will uh, take up more space and they will move around a lot more when it's cold they're much more concentrated so there's a smaller area of those molecules but but scent molecules move in the same way as water does so it might be it'll be absorbed by certain surfaces but it will bounce off others just as water does yeah so scent molecules move very much like uh, like a liquid yeah
0: yeah and and, and bridget was was explaining that when that scent gets into that, that that water droplet it can be incredibly concentrated
1: yeah, which they, is why. They, can, they yeah. can
0: taste it in their Jacobson Morgan. They're like, yeah. So, so yeah. So now, like the walks with Molly in the morning take a little bit longer. Yeah, a
1: you're bit, bit more chilled out about. Yeah,
0: it. I am. I'm much more relaxed. But like yeah. I said, uh, I I also now when I when I'm going to walk, um, I oft, often walk um, myself because I just want the exercise, sort of getting the ten thousand steps in type of thing, um, and I don't take it with me because of that reason because I'm not. I'm, you know, I used to take her with me to just, for the exercise. Yeah. But she, but I I did used to notice she was getting dragged around a bit.
1: So did you, you, have you ever done Cross? We have lots of people that come to Cross with me with their stuffies.
0: No, because Bridget has mentioned, because she does it, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. No, because Molly, she's not a big walker. Because when I first, because I live right on the edge of Salisbury Plain.
1: right. So when I first got
0: Molly, I thought this is going to be great. We're going to go out for all day walks. And I was walking, I took her out. It must have been about the third or fourth time I'd taken her over to the planes. Um, there's this particular area I can drive to in about 10 minutes. And, and literally you can you can walk for a few miles and not cross anything or anyone. Except Molly very quickly was like, mate, she just led down. I, we were like about two miles from the car and she just led down. And so I was just Aww. like, right. And she just like literally flat out, legs behind her. Big smile oh, on her face. Larry. Yeah, she just like and I said, just like she just led down in the shade.
1: I'm and done was, now, Dad.
0: Yep that that was it. And I was just like, yeah, you're not a walker, are you? You know, <laughs> you're, 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 you know she she loves she loves a walk, but she she's not into a marathon.
1: Stamina's not a thing.
0: No, not what? unless it comes to eating. Um, ah, but I yeah. have a relatively big garden, so yeah. she. She loves nothing more than in a, doesn't have to be the summer as such, but the sun is out. She will, there's a particular paving slab that she likes in the sun Aww. next to. I have an outdoor area where I do my gym workouts, and there's a paving slab next to that. And she, she will,
1: lies and watches you. No, no,
0: no, no, no fully enough. No, <laughs> once the sun comes up, she would just sit there, just sits there, and she just closes her eyes, and sometimes she just seems to be looking into the into the mist or whatever i don't know but the sun is out and she will sit there for hours
1: lucky girl. and just sunbathe
0: and you just like I, i've never seen a dog so content
1: Aww. and
0: of course last year was the second summer and she yeah she, she's just like as soon as the sun's out she's just there and nice you sort of like oh, i not sure about this because i don't want to just leave her outside i mean the garden's enclosed so it's not like you know but she never tries to get out she never, she'll never. she just sit there and you're just like oh right that's her thing that's what she likes to do
1: <laughs> that's her done I yeah. can't wait till the sun's back out
0: yeah no same as that because that, that, that's, yeah. as I was saying she, she loves to charge around she loves to grab hold of things and pull yeah of course but if I walk a little too far in a certain direction you know she's like yeah. she slides down she says no we're not doing this <laughs>
1: And it's my I was, walk. Yeah. It's my walk, and I'm telling you, we're not going
0: that way. The, the first time it happened, and I know I never tried to repeat it after that. She just led down in the shade, and I was just like, "Okay, so I just led down next to her. And then, yeah. I, and honestly, it was like about twenty minutes later. She just got up, and it's like, "Okay, we can go now." I was like, "Okay, that that do me," you know. And we then, but the only thing I was a bit worried about is just like, okay, we're actually only like she because she like kind of basically stopped and. I hadn't made any attempt to turn round. I was still going in one direction. So it's just like, I wonder if she realises she's just got, she's got just as far to get back.
1: Oh, bless her. But,
0: oh. You know, but that, that's like any new relationship. You've got to work these things out.
1: Absolutely. It, it is a journey, mm. not a destination.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> um, Fantastic. Oh. What, uh,
0: something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, and I'm just conscious of time. Is the what do people do well? What do dog what owners do, do well? well.
1: Oh, well, obviously the ones that come and see me that their dogs are doing everything well. Yeah, um, because it's, it's just great to be the standard. <laughs> yes but it's great to to go and see a professional trainer and learn about your dog and learn about their personality through the eyes of that trainer you know um and to learn how to you know use positive reinforcement and and care for those dogs I think what people do really well is they they love their dogs or by and large people adore their dogs and they want the best for their dogs um and I think you know it's it's for people like me to make sure that they are equipped with the right information to be able to make the right decisions for those animals based on the right science and the right stuff. So for example, nutrition is a big thing for me. Um, So I think, you know, I think everybody with dogs have dogs for the right reason. And I think it's really up to all of us in the profession to make sure that they are fully equipped to get the most out of that relationship and to really understand that relationship.
0: So you said nutrition, where do you stand on nutrition then? Cuz there's I see different trainers advocating different things these days. There's the raw uh, meat diet and then there's the you know people like no vegetables are good you know.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I I think um they are uh they need a good balance of different uh uh, types of protein the most important things for dogs are good quality protein and a variety because they get different things from different parts of the the animal's body um and um then, you know, they do need a certain amount of fiber, but really the next important thing is really, really good fat. So really good protein for growth and repair, really, really good fat for energy. Uh, They do not need carbohydrate and they make their own vitamin C. Um, You know, we want to be making sure that the types of protein and the quality of protein our dogs get are enough to meet their nutritional requirements Um, and, I think if you're feeding raw, there are plenty of really good, complete raw foods. Sometimes when we go down the raw route, um, we don't know enough yeah. uh, as, as pet owners to get to get that right. And that's nobody's fault. It's, you know, it's it's complicated. Um and the other thing, you know, is um, you know, a freshly cooked uh diet. So there are theories out there that once we start cooking proteins, it's more nutritionally available to the dog. Um, you know, and they, they need a little bit of fiber as well. So there's nothing wrong with having some nice vegetables in there, a bit of broccoli uh, and a bit of sweet potato and peas and things like that. Um, when it comes to dry food, we have to be really careful. A lot of the grain free foods are being replaced with um, uh, legume or, or, or rather pea proteins, which have been uh, linked to heart problems in dogs. Um, and with dry food, it is so processed and so. Yeah. You know, mm. By the time, you know, the dog's eating it, there isn't very much uh, protein that is nutritionally available for the dog. That is a very, very brief summary of so much information. There's some, it is.
0: Because, um, I mean, yeah. I, I, interesting, when I first got Molly, she was the, I just carried on the dry food that the previous owner had been given her. And I noticed she drank an awful lot of water.
1: Yeah, because it only gives them 10% of their daily allocation requirement of water whereas raw um and wet food will give them something like 70 to 80 percent of the water that they need in a day
0: and of course well the other thing is i noticed as well if you just get a glass of water and drop a load of dry food into it it absorbs doesn't absorb yeah exactly and it's just like right well then you must be doing that to her that's why she's always so thirsty
1: yeah cold cold pressed food is much less harmful in that harmful in in that way but i'm doing a Uh, a natural health pet summit i've got vince the vet coming to talk about nutrition he's amazing uh next saturday but also the other people that that people should look at and and read their books is linda p case amazing nutritionist and Connor brady uh again he's brilliant he's got a fantastic book i think it's just called feeding dogs um but i would urge everybody to look at those books and and those resources because it is it's fascinating
0: okay well what I'll do is I'll make sure I'll email you afterwards just to get the description, um, obviously, to Muddy Muttley. Uh, yeah. Also, quickly, because you have a YouTube channel. I do. Muddy
1: Mutley's on yeah. YouTube.
0: <laughs> and I'll make sure the link for that is uh, in the description as well. And, yeah. and I'll get the link for Linda Case and Connor Brady.
1: Yeah. Um, Excellent.
0: Last one. Well, not necessarily the last one. We the two of us haven't shut up since we started.
1: I know. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Because um, another thing that is my pet peeve is what I describe as people buying the wrong dogs. Like, mm. the amount of conversations I've had with people... Because people say, oh, you've always had dogs. Huh? And the one that everyone wants is a husky. And i like... Oh, I know. Have you ever owned a dog before? No. For crying out loud, don't get a husky. Don't get a Malamute. Don't get a husky. Just stay well away from them. It's just like, so this isn't going to be the, the most articulate way of saying it, but what would you say is a good start a dog?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Now that is a big, big question. I think, I think my answer to that would be,
0: I mean, no experience. You've had no experience. With yeah. Dogs. Well, what my, would yeah. you describe as? Cause I, one of the things and you, and I'm open to being like, you don't know what you're talking about. David, shut up is I would suggest if you've never ever owned a dog possibly consider elderly rescue possibly because they're already trained and they're probably already used to people or a rescue dog that is beyond a puppy.
1: Yeah. Just that would come with caveats.
0: But but do do (laughs) you know what I'm saying is people rush out to buy puppies and it's like I don't think you understand what it's like looking after a four you know a four legged kid.
1: I, uh, yeah, I the reason I've got my little girl, um, is because the, the lady who took her on, after much thought, much planning, did everything right, just couldn't cope. It was like puppy blues. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to get a rescue, I would be, uh, well, not I necessarily
0: would... a rescue, but just what's a good, well,
1: what's actually, good we'll job? do that. Let, let's do the
0: caveats for rescue dogs. Let's do Re-
1: rescue. My caveat would be be careful where you're getting that dog from yeah. um and and i think it's important to note that i you know i've got nothing against bringing rescues in from overseas however we must consider that for some of those dogs the worst experience they've had in their entire lives is being brought over here yeah. you know and uh, and it takes them a long time to recover from that um however i'm not saying it's a good or bad thing it's just something we, we don't take any note of um in terms of what dog to get i would i would say to people don't get the dog because you think it will help you change your lifestyle (laughs) (laughs) get a dog that is gonna fit into your existing lifestyle yeah
0: um
1: and yes puppies are like they are hard work you know and, and they'll be hard work until they're at least one um i would say uh as well if you are going to get a rescue yeah go to go you be, just research carefully what you're getting and where you're getting that rescue from um but you know you can you can do a little quiz on a uh, kennel club that will tell you what breed your lifestyle and your home environment is is um yeah is good for and most of the time it will come up with a bichon freeze <laughs> Saying that is
0: where you should go. I, I, but yeah, Kennel
1: Club is a good resource. <laughs> I,
0: I, I'm basically aiming this at people like, if your idea of life, and, and, and I'm not judging, but I certainly am judging, is if you, if you like to network Netflix binge or binge TV and not do much and eat takeaways, don't please, get a
1: spaniel.
0: <laughs> please, like you got to understand, the dog that will suit that requirement,
1: big time. Absolutely a hundred percent a hundred percent, and also if you've got children, think carefully, yeah. think very carefully, you know um the, the amount of things that can go wrong um is you know well i'm here to I'm here to support people but, with but people that's it, there's
0: there. this again, there's that misconception that dogs like kids
1: and know, kids like dogs, yeah, y-
0: yeah, yeah, lo- lots of kids don't really like dogs, yeah, you know yeah, and i yeah. and I've had plenty of dogs that don't like kids
1: absolutely and there's 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 often very good reasons for that um but it all needs careful management and 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 understanding um from the dog's point of view of how your environment can create behaviors in that dog
0: absolutely now my last question and i've started asking this of everyone because it's really random so Uh if you could go to any place any time anywhere anywhere, what music Mm -hmm. would you be listening to where would you be and what would you be driving
1: Oh, my God. Um, so I've got a Discovery, which I love, so I'd be driving that. Um, I would be going to... Oh. Well, just where well, would you be? Yeah. Where would I be? I'd be in the middle of a jungle surrounded by incredible animals and uh, apart from snakes, I wouldn't have snakes <laughs> there, no <laughs> snakes, and what would I be listening to? I'd be listening to really lively music maybe um oh, i don't know something really funky that i could sing to do a bit of car karaoke and and dancing to does that help
0: that's brilliant <laughs> that, that that's absolutely perfect and that, that's a perfect Excellent. place
1: to end thank you brilliant thank you david it's been a pleasure